perhaps the most memorable encounter I've had with anyone. Every single time I dug into it, what I found is it's not the highest domain authority that wins. It's not the most links. It's not the oldest or the most prestigious. It's whoever has the least amount of long form quality content that isn't confusing Google. They win in the end. <laughs> Welcome to the Own Your Commerce podcast, where leading experts, brands, and innovators reveal strategies for e-commerce growth. I'm your host, Jay Myers, and this show is brought to you by Bold Commerce. Hey, everyone. Just a quick reminder, Bold is a proud sponsor this year of SubSummit. It's the largest conference for subscription e-commerce brands. So uh, if you're a subscription brand, make sure you attend. There's going to be a ton of good learnings. Just hit the subsummit.com and uh, find out. Also, everyone's getting ready for Black Friday for the holidays. And every year, people forget to set up their sales ahead of time. So I just want to do a special call out. If you don't have a proper sales or a bundling or an upsell app, now's the time to do it. Bold does have a lot of these apps. So make sure you check out either Bold Discounts, Bold Bundles, Bold Upsell, Bold Quantity Breaks. A lot of these apps are crucial during holiday seasons when you're running sales and promotions. So just make sure you get them installed early. And actually, we're going to talk about that a little bit on this episode. So here we go. Welcome to another exciting episode of Own Your Commerce. I'm so excited about the guest we have today. Aaron Orndorff is the former editor-in-chief at Shopify Plus. This guy knows e-commerce and he knows content and he knows how it all works together. The reason we're rushing this episode out is because, well, Amazon announced Prime Day is October 13th and right off the bat, Aaron dropped some knowledge bombs and some real tactical advice on what you need to do as an e-commerce store while Amazon is having its Prime Day. Little tip, it's not just going to affect and be for Amazon, it's going to affect all e-commerce stores. So make sure you pay attention to that so you can be ready. Also, not all emails are equal. It's one of the things Aaron touched on this as well. Depending when you capture them actually makes a big difference. So make sure you pay attention to that. And are you using quiz funnels in your store? If not, you probably should be. And we'll dive into why and how easy it is to set them up, what they are. Make sure you uh, pay attention to that part as well too. Man, Aaron dropped a lot of knowledge bombs on this one. Uh, he also touched on the three key reasons why you need to invest in content as an e-commerce brand. Lastly, never kill your support articles. Uh, there's a good chance they might be one of your highest ranking pages for search. There is a better way to handle outdated articles. Man, we covered a lot on this. You're gonna love this episode. Let's go. Oh, a little bit more. Let's go with a lot more. Set expectations incredibly high. <laughs> the bar is, has been set. Which is the opposite of what we're supposed to do. It's supposed to be low, lower the bar. So I probably should have said, no, this is not going to be tactical, practical. You're, you're going to own less of your commerce by the time you're done listening to this. And then if they own a little bit more, we're golden. Man, I love it. You know why I love it? Because actually, I just had Tommy Walker actually on the show. Get um, out. No, it hasn't aired yet, but I was just, uh, you know, so now actually, I, I, I'm going to make it a personal goal of mine to have every former editor in chief at Shopify Plus on the, on the podcast. Do me yeah. a favor, put his out after mine because he's okay, incredibly okay. more creative than I am. Well, well, I was going to say, speaking of setting the bar, so let's, you know, depending on, on who drops more knowledge bombs, that'll, that'll determine which episode gets aired first. So, Oh, I'll look out for that. <laughs> Tommy, the challenge, the gauntlet has been dropped, buddy. Well, why don't we start right off on the top? Let's start with if someone 
only listens to the first five minutes of this podcast, which would be a, a crying shame, but if they only listen to the first five minutes, is there anything you can give as a couple drops right off the bat that a merchant can, can apply and take away within a couple minutes here? Depending on when this airs, we may be before, during, or after October 13th. And the important thing about that date is that's the delayed date, the new date that Amazon Prime Day is going to hit. Mm. Now, mm. Google research indicates that something around 45% uh, of respondents to one of their surveys said they're going to begin using Prime Day to shop for gifts. So if anything, that is the date. That's the official, unofficial start date of holiday online shopping. So if you only listen to the first five minutes, mark that date on your calendar and above anything else in this episode, as it relates to content and commerce, nail down your on-site email capture at at least mm. two levels. One, a straight discount with a welcome series that follows and two, a preview of what your, your Black Friday, Cyber Monday, early holiday, gift giving guides, whatever that's going to look like, load up a second yeah. on-site capture to capture that and then begin building out those two welcome sequences. So you can turn one on during October, one on early-ish, mid-November, and then also set up a single, at least one robust 30-ish day post-purchase email sequence that includes those initial review requests delayed yeah. based on when people will start using your product and then an aggressive mid-holiday gift giving and post-holiday new year post-purchase sequence to follow it up. The costs of advertising are never going to be greater than they will be this holiday season. I mean, they might go up next season, but with everything that's gone down this year, it's this perfect storm of new yeah. holiday online shoppers and a lot of enterprise retailers that have been holding off, pulling back spend all through the year. And the way budgets work is they are going to dump those advertising dollars into omni-channel, meaning especially yeah. into digital spaces. And to try to compete head to head with those sort of spends is going to be murderous. Get your email content on lock. Man, you nailed it. I'm just, I'll make sure this gets out before October 13th because I could not agree more. Um, I mean, Amazon Prime, what's always been like in the spring? When was it before? Is it June or something? Yeah, it's always like midsummer, I think, or, or yeah. early, yeah, early summer, mid. And so like, A, even take Amazon Prime out of the, her uh, Prime Day out of the picture. Like there's so many questions about what Black Friday is going to be like this year with, I don't think pe the, the, the days of, you know, camping outside of Best Buys and stampeding into stores, like that's over, that's done. Like, I, I don't even, I, I think I heard Walmart and Target and some yep. stores are even physical locations are going to be closed, right? On yep. They've all, those and more to come, I'm sure are announcing they're closed on Thanksgiving, possibly, you know, thinned out crowds on Black Friday, and they're all yeah. just going to be trying to push that back and forward into the weeks preceding and post-seeding, if that's a word. And, <laughs> and that just means those two, those folks, they got to make their money somehow, and they know it's going to then be full rush on digital. Yeah. And the ones that are open, some of them are talking about doing a lottery system to get in. So you, you know, you can't have people lining up and rushing in. So you'll, it'll be a draw if you can shop at the physical 
best buy location. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think normally like we are at bold, like because we have a few products that help merchants with Black Friday, we feel I can tell you it's not until usually early November that we start getting like, hey, I got to set up my sales. I got to get my sales set up now, like with one of our apps. And so like merchants don't usually think about Black Friday. Now you're saying get prepared October 13th, even if you don't have sales active, make sure that if they're on your site, they know that there's something there because they've got X amount to spend and they can go give that money to Amazon or they can, oh, you know what? ABC site over here has a sale. They've announced it. If I get on their list, I'm going to get exclusive access to that. I think that the whole concept of collecting emails around Black Friday is like, that's the gold that most people miss out on. It's not even about how much extra money you make. It's you're getting a whole new series of customers shopping your store that have probably never shopped with you before. It's like, it's, it's, uh, it's really customer acquisition. So you got to look at it that way. So I could not agree with you more. Man, and one of the really interesting things, we, we've passed the five minute mark, but one of the really interesting things about getting to work for Common Thread Collective is we're also majority owners of 4x400, which is now a collection of five, possibly six very soon, D2C e-commerce brands uh, that Andrew Ferris runs essentially in-house. So we get all of the data, uh, not just yeah. from our clients, but from them. And a lot of times can go full kimono. And what we see across the board, and they do a lot of different verticals. They've got everything from like dirt bike and ATV wash to jewelry and bracelets, uh, wallets and men's accessories. Like they just, they've got a variety of different types of products all operating under different brands. And what we saw is, right, the value of an email address is exponentially more the earlier you get it during Q4 and the holidays. So prioritizing that now, just that aggressive capture on the front side, even if like say something with advertising now, it's less expensive. If you're able to purchase more traffic, more visitors, that's great for retargeting. But at the same time, those visitors getting their email addresses, even if it's at an initial loss and you can afford that on the advertising front, knowing that it's going to pay off uh, very soon. Yeah, because I think you need to look at what you're gathering that email with uh, maybe a bit of a loss on the sale, like that's customer acquisition costs. And people don't bat an eye when it's when they're spending $40 or $50 to acquire a customer through an Instagram ad or Google or some form of paid advertising. But they they think it's so bad if they have to um, discount with, through an email to collect that email, but like it's customer acquisition cost. And if you, if you have a good understanding of what the lifetime value is of your customers and you know, those metrics, yeah. then you can play, you can play with those numbers and you can, you can do some really neat things to acquire those customers. And I, you, I think you're bang on because I think I'm thinking of myself when I shop and when I'm shopping, like right on black Friday, um, I will, enter my email address to get the 10% off coupon, but I might not be a super committed customer. But nope. if someone's if someone's entering an email address in October, they are thinking about that store. There's a product they want. They've probably been on it. Their friend has that product. They've researched it. That's a really valuable customer. So uh, you're right. I, I had never thought about that. The, the value difference between emails collected now versus like the day of black Friday where people just want the 10% coupon and they enter their spam email address that they just use for coupons or so not that I have those I've, I've heard people have them. 
Quiz funnels, man. Quiz funnels. Let's push that back into the, the first five minutes somehow. Let's reverse it. Quiz funnels. Octane AI's new quiz builder with landing pages yes. is it's like a could be a, a game changer for a lot of folks. We've done this in-house with Bamboo Earth, one of the 4x400 brands. It's a skincare, uh, predominantly female, natural uh, skincare product. And they built that with Typeform that they just plugged into Clavio. Yep. Uh, sync that with their product catalog and those quiz funnels uh people love quizzes it's yeah i don't know how what the half-life on that is but for now people thank you buzzfeed and love taking quizzes and it's great like you can even pre-game in some of the advertisements of the quiz and exactly what it looks like and that's seductive it's people love clicking and doing that sort of thing and then you get more information on the front end even if you're not selling something initially man i you know what? I, I the guys at Octane AI, they're great partners of ours. Definitely check out their new quiz tool that they launched. Yeah. Um, and even if you don't use a quiz tool, we've seen stores do it, like you just mentioned, with simple forms. And uh, we just actually saw a brand do this with our subscriptions. They all they did they sell like dog and cat and and pet treats like gummies that they that they chew on and they had a big mega menu and you would hover over it and it would be you know dogs cats uh chewy toys or toys for healthy teeth or whatever and you you literally had to pick from all these items and it was just confusing as a as a customer you didn't know where to go then they put on the home page they still have the menu but right in the main hero banner there's just a drop down it says i have a and it's dog or cat and you pick dog or cat he has trouble with chewing he's too active and he like rips up the car the carpet or the couch or he um has bad teeth or whatever you select a couple things and then all it did at the end was it linked to a collection uh, of of the, a pre-existing collection that the customer yeah. could have got to by selecting the menu but I, I feel like that's the product i need and i don't know if this is true i don't have any data for this but i can tell you anecdotally when i do one of those qu quizzes I'm way more likely to buy because I feel like I'm invested. Like there's, you know, and there's this old adage that less clicks is better. You know, how many, how many, how many clicks can you reduce? But I think there's something that Dude. quiz ad, adds clicks, but it gets you down a funnel and you're, Dude. you're like, you're, I don't know. There's something about it. This is what I love. Okay. Okay. I just have to interrupt you for a second because what Aaron's about to say is really important. Shoppable quizzes work, and right now they're working excellent. They might not in two years, we don't know. But right now, taking your customer down a funnel where they answer questions and get a personalized product recommendation is killer. Two great stores doing this are Kongbox.com and HeyGlowUp.com. They're both using it with bull subscriptions and it's made a huge impact on their conversion rates. Check both them out. Okay, back to the episode. So, uh Coleman is the brand manager at Bamboo Earth. And the very first time I went through this, like months ago, Bamboo Earth skin quiz funnel. Yeah, first time yeah. I went through it, I remember messaging him. I'm like, dude, there's a bunch of extra clicks in here. There's like, there's like a 26 screen quiz. Some of these are just like filler. Like, man, you could really yeah. tighten this and get more conversions. And he came right back to me with like, nah, man, we test it. Yeah. The more clicks we add, the more screens we add, the higher the <laughs> And there's like a breaking point at that. But it's it's just wild the kind of things that you discover that, that are counterintuitive to that. And for somebody like Bamboo Earth, where again, yeah, very similar. They've got a bunch of different mini kits. They've got a bunch of different products. They've got these full kits. 
and getting somebody's information during that skin quiz, the lift for customer acquisition is huge. And then it creates a really natural segue from like mini kits or individual products right into higher price point items like the full kit or ongoing subscriptions, which they also offer. Yeah. And I think it's important to know, like, not all clicks are equal and there are definitely clicks that would reduce conversion, but uh, clicks through a funnel quiz like that, um, that's an investment into the brand. And that's psychologically you feeling yes. with each click that this brand knows me better. Every time I click, if I'm clicking around Amazon and I have to spend 12 clicks to find a product. I don't think Amazon knows me any better. I'm just, it's just annoying to try to find it. But if I'm going through one of those and actually I th uh, Octana, I just, um, I don't know they're always posting different stores that did it. One of the recent ones, I think it was like 19% of people that went through the quiz. It was like 19% of people bought something, which is insane. So mm -hmm. I'll put a couple of good examples of that in the show notes of stores that are leveraging quizzes. And, and maybe if you have some um, I'll get you to email me over because I, I think that is a definitely a tool that is underutilized. Absolutely. I'll send you the, we've done a couple of write-ups on bamboo earths and we've also mm -hmm. we've got a client who I can't show as much data on, but love wellness has a fantastic quiz as well. I'll, I'll hit you with uh, yeah. visuals on those. Okay. So if a listener got to the 15 minute mark, there anything else, <laughs> anything else you want to make uh, sure they take away? Cause I do have a, some, some questions loaded up here that I want to get to, but I, I feel like you have the, like, these are two random knowledge bombs that I wouldn't have even thought about, but they're amazing. Oh, the last thing. And I swear Jay did not pregame <laughs> me you know, to do this is back in my Shopify plus days, I wrote what felt to be a throwaway article on gift wrapping. And that's when mm. I discovered what bold commerce offers. And so one, I'm like praying and cross my fingers that that's still a add on that people can use. Yeah, absolutely. Oh man, that sort of thing <laughs> this year where more and more people are buying those gifts online because they can't go to the store. Oh, yeah. track that down. Absolutely. That that's a big one. And then also having a backup for, so that that's a big, uh, it's just such a, it's an, it's an extra, lifts AOV yeah. if you charge for it. It personalizes it so it's more memorable both for the person sending it. They feel better about it than they do about just yep. sending a brown box. It's better for the experience of the person that's receiving it. And right at, at on top of all that, looking out for ways to create those digital experiences that are thoroughly branded for delays in shipping that I also expect are coming. Yeah. Whether that's gift yeah. cards or even just a mini three-part email sequence that both the giver and the receiver uh, can both uh, have as a fallback so that it arrives and it's fun and it's got music, you know, all those kind of things just to keep the experience strong, knowing that shipping is going to be a real fight as well. That is a great tip. And I'm just mentally thinking, yeah, I got to make sure our marketing team is letting <laughs> our merchants. I, you know, we've written so, so many blogs over the year about like different, you can do it in so many different ways. It can be a free thing that gets added uh, when they spend a certain amount. You can add it as an option on products. You can do it as kind of like an upsell thing when they're clicking checkout. It's like, would you like to add gift wrapping? The thing that I would say that's the most important of however you choose to do it is don't wait until the end to let the customer know that gift wrapping is an option, have it r right in their face at the beginning. Cause it puts, Ooh. it puts that shopper in the mindset that they're shopping for a gift. So like I might be shopping, uh, because I want a new hiking watch and if on their homepage, it's like, um, order between now and October 30th and we're including free gift wrapping, like, Oh yeah, 
I might want to get something for a friend, but like I hadn't thought about buying a gift there. So, um, it just, I, you want to get people, that's why they play Christmas music in shopping malls. So it gets you in that Christmas frame of mind to remind you. So what's that psychological Christmas music on your website? Not actually saying play Christmas music, but <laughs> say, um, letting people know right up front that that's an option and not like the last click. Oh, would you like to add it? So that's a good and one. Honestly, do I just Googled it myself incognito e-commerce <laughs> gift wrapping. Uh, number two result, Shopify.com on the Shopify Plus blog by Aaron Orndorff. <laughs> and you folks are like the go-to tool all throughout nice. that article. Yep. Well, that, sir, is what you call evergreen content. Well, shameless plug here, but the holidays are coming up and gift wrapping is pretty essential to a lot of people when they're shopping online. So if you're looking to do it, Bold has three really good options to do it. You can use our product options app and apply gift wrapping to one product or a certain collection or your entire website. You can use Bold Upsell and add it as a upsell option when the customer's checking out. Or you can use Motivator and make it like a free add-on when they spend a certain amount, they get free gift wrapping. So check any of those apps out to do gift wrapping. I, I can't let you get away without um, drilling you a little bit on some content because you are a master of it. And I guess when an, when it comes to an e-commerce store, because that's who's listening, e- e-commerce merchants, why should they even care about content? Like they're not running a blog that they're selling advertising on and they're not trying to, you know, be a, a professional blogger. Why does content matter for e-commerce stores? I suppose there's three, three reasons. The first, and actually the first two are indirect reasons to invest in content. Number one, the brands that succeed most in paid acquisition are brands that take content seriously. So the folks that are creating long form video content, mini documentaries that invest mm. in a high quality user generated content, or even just aggressively acquiring user generated content uh, and then repurposing it in their ad accounts or long form written content, uh, email, aesthetics, all of these things. Um, the, the greatest benefit of having a dedicated content team, and we could call it creative if you want, yeah is it ends up being fuel for paid acquisition, for paid campaigns uh, that other brands simply can't compete with. Because somebody like Tracksmith, man, I love Tracksmith's commitment to the running community and the way they tell stories and the way they do photo shoots, you know, 15, 10 mile runs where they go out with the athletes. They're not sponsoring mainstream Mm -hmm. athletes, but sort of right on the cusp of, or, or athletes that really, reflect their core audience. And so they create all of this beautiful long form content. Sometimes it's when a new product collection drops, they invest in the photography, they invest in the video, they write these long form collection pages when when a new release comes out. But then Mm -hmm. what they've got at the second those all ship is this arsenal of creative in various different sizes and lengths that just demolish anyone else in the DTC space in that realm when it comes to freshness uh, and engagement and the ability to sell and repurpose that content. So it's kind of indirect, but it creates this arsenal behind the scenes, this reservoir to tap into for paid acquisition. The second has a lot to do with SEO. It's like the primary, 
The primary thing that content can do, how-to content, instructional content can do, is it can rank for instructional how-to search phrases organically in a way that products simply never will. That doesn't right. mean it's going to lead directly to sales. I mean, if you get on the first page of Google for how to apply eyeliner or other makeup-related tutorials, it doesn't necessarily mean somebody's going to buy from you directly, although that can happen inside of it. You can build your email list through it. But when you write that sort of content, other people are far more likely to link to it. So if you host that content on the same domain as your store, the indirect benefit there is all the links that people throw to that top quality content that's not gross and salesy, all of those links build up the domain authority of your main mm. site. And it's sort of one of the, you know, rising tide lifts all ships. Yeah, And so the, the money makers, the product pages also get huge lifts in organic search traffic. Mm -hmm. Do you generally, like with the brands that you work with, run ads to the content pages or to the a mix or to the product pages? Or there's a, a experience you want to take a, a visitor down, right? Like it's, it's, you don't want to take them. Well, I'll let you answer, I guess. I, I, I'm just thinking out loud now. <laughs> so yeah, we um, do both. how do you work that in? We do both. And so, but really the divide comes down to size. So if you're a sub to probably sub five, maybe even $10 million annual revenue business, then this route can just destroy your margins. Okay. So with the larger clients that we work with though, we, we do this in two ways. Uh, the first is they simply create blog content, uh, and, and it's blog for lack of a better word, but it's articles, how to written, yeah. some visuals, yeah. some pictures, embedded videos, that sort of thing. And they do run ads knowing that what this ad is going to do is either get somebody into our email list when they hit the content or build our remarketing audience in a qualified way. Mm -hmm. so that's one way mm -hmm. to use content. The other is to host it offsite uh, and use those offsite publications. Usually it's pay for play where you just, there's folks that, that run these aggregate sites uh, of yep. greater and lesser quality. And, and then essentially they'll give you then the access to the pixel. So you can grab right. those audiences that are coming in and you run the content ads through their accounts instead. And that gives it a, a much better feel of, it, it's not like I'm clicking on a deodorant brand about what are the five best deodorants and it's incredibly clear or like, you know, how to avoid pit stains yeah. and those sort of like, those <laughs> kind of it, that one step removed makes it much more effective for social proof. Uh, and then also pre-gaming them for the eventual sale. So this is like getting on like the, the Forbes and the Mashables and, and these types of content. Oh man, way lower hanging fruit than that. I mean, you can look for niche publications around men's health and women's health uh, and relationship advice. Uh, and there's mm. some sites that just do this specifically as they, 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 they focus on, you basically come to them with an article idea, they create it, they host it on their site. Uh, and, and then you just run it through their account. So you don't even have to like get earned media. I mean, that's awesome yeah. to do, but no, you just go looking out for, uh, those content hubs. So what's your secret to getting in? Or I like, I guess maybe some of these content hubs are different because I get an email probably, I don't know, 10 times a week. Um, people asking to guest post on our blog and, um, we kind of keep it exclusive for, for, for partners. Like we would, I mean, I, 
love to have you as a guest post on there or any other bold partners, but um, it just feels like there's like so many people that uh, just want to get. So how do you get through the noise as an e-commerce brand and you're selling razors and you want to write a blog post on like how the, how to do the ultimate shave and uh, how do you do that? Most of the sites that I'm talking about are, uh, they, they do their own content creation, but there's just really clear, almost like affiliate level sponsored posts type things. And most people simply do not pay attention to what's sponsored and what isn't. So you're right. paying to get a place. Same way you oh, would I see. On, you know, pay, okay. entrepreneur, New York Times, yeah. studio. Like you can, you can go way up in the price scheme for sponsor concept. It's the exact same thing. But instead, you're just targeting, I would say, I'm looking for, if I use something like Moz, uh, Free yep. plugin for Chrome measures domain authority, and you can do things like um, just search for related colon menshealth.com, mm. related mm. colon, and then any publication that's really top tier, you start with those. And what Google will do is it'll feed you back. Here's what we think the related publications are. And instead of looking for something like an 80 or a 90 domain authority, which 100 is the max that Moz will give it. And that means, oh, you know, like Forbes is in the 90s and Shopify is in the 90s, those sort of things. Yeah. I'm looking for like 40 to 50. Yeah. And then I just click through to those sites that have the 40 to 50. And, and usually they'll have a sponsored post, affiliate marketing, uh, something very clearly advertising the fact that you can do this through their site. That's great. Yeah. Better to get a bunch of fifties than spend all your time to, <clears throat> trying to get on that one ninety, right? And it's not. See, this is the thing. This is not about guest posting, guest blogging, building backlinks. This is just a way to hire uh, somebody that isn't your domain to publish content that shines a positive light on your product and then run ads through them as well as using that content in your ads. So it appears to be social proof. I mean, it's a little... Yes gray hatty, but not really. Cause you're just paying. It's, it's, it's pretty upfront and upboard uh, on board. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think it's a super smart idea. Okay. So that's some great strategies. What, what are some of the big mistakes you see e-commerce stores doing when it comes to content? Volume over quality is the killer hmm. content strategies. You're just talking about volume of individual content, yes. not the total amount. Yes, volume of, and I think of these in terms of a URL. So a URL is a YouTube video. It lives on a specific, that's the basic unit of measurement. Same thing goes for any of your pages, products, blog posts, anything like that. That's the URL that it lives on. Yeah. Yeah. And the fundamental mistake folks make, especially when they're starting out, um, and then it just continues, is we think, all right, we're going to post three times a week. That's what we're supposed to do. Or maybe they yeah. get really aggressive yeah. and they're like, once a, once a day, that's what everybody says, keeps them coming in. And so they end up creating a whole bunch of different URLs, different units, different videos that are basically all about the same thing. And while that can be good for reoccur or for visitors that come back, returning visitors, or even email subscribers to do something similar, but with a little different bend, that's great for the audience that you already own, but for generating organic traffic, what you end up with is all of these different properties that are competing for what Google thinks is the same keyword. Yeah, yeah. So you can do that piecemeal here and there, and it's not a big deal, but you do that for longer than six months or a year, especially for high volume terms. Like, and my favorite to do this one with is how to apply eyeliner. Um, I did this whole experiment a while ago, because this is my secret sauce when it comes to B2B organic 
traffic is figure out what Google thinks is cannibalizing your current results. So you Google site colon your own domain.com. So I Google yeah. got these shortcuts set up site colon common thread code.com Facebook costs. And I okay. want to see if Google thinks I have multiple pages all competing for the same term. So it limits it to just that domain. Really easy to check these kind of things. Mm. But with consumer brands, I, I did this a while ago with how to apply eyeliner and different makeup tutorials. I did it with t-shirts and shoes and all of these content instructional type of queries, how to type of queries. And every single time I dug into it, what I found is it's not the highest domain authority that wins. It's not the most links. It's not the oldest or the most prestigious. It's whoever has the least amount of long form quality content that isn't confusing Google they win in the end. And so to consolidate, mm. it's not about volume. It's about quality for these high search volume terms, not about how much you put out, but how good it is. And then making sure you're going through your back catalog and consolidating, 301ing, deleting and 301ing anything that Google is confused about. So you've got one, mm. unit, one URL to rule them all. This is good. So you're pruning the old posts or so you say 301. Yeah. Or what if they link to, so you don't 301 them, but if you have eight different posts, let's say with the razor example, or the, the lip, uh, what was it lip, lip gloss? Flying lip gloss, eyeshadow? Eyeliner, here you go. Um, if you have a bunch of different posts about it, like the ultimate guide to putting on eyeliner, or how to do eyeliner for business, or how to do this, but there's one that you want to rank for Google, are you saying it's better to after those blog posts have served their purpose, like you've written the blog post on like eyeliner for work or for business. And after a month then, or whatever, three months, 301 it's to your main one that Google looks, or would you keep it? But everywhere else in your site, like on eyeliner product pages and on your homepage it's to learn more about eyeliner, it, you direct them to that one blog post. I kill them. I not interlinking, not letting them live. Hmm. Google is confused about, and, and one of the reasons for this is like, so with the eyeliner one, uh, the winner was, there was only two, uh, for the content search, how to apply eyeliner, there were only two results from actual cosmetic manufacturers. One hmm. was Maybelline and one was into the gloss. Everything hmm. else on the first page of Google was like cosmopolitan and those sort of it's content. So Google is serving up content. The only two winners were Maybelline into the gloss uh, and, and into the gloss Glossier had the lowest domain authority of all the fewest articles about it. And then what they did was they were very disciplined about their use of keywords in the URL in the headline and on the page itself. So that while they had various eyeliner tutorials that also existed, there was only one that had those words, how to apply eyeliner. Everything else was like business eyeliner made simple, not how to apply business yeah. eyeliner, right? So it's that disciplined approach. But even, even for myself, like I am just ruthless about the payoff. Oh my gosh, dude. <laughs> the payoff of hitting position three, two, and one is so dramatically geometrically different than yeah. 20, 
30 articles at the bottom of page one and scattered throughout pages two and three. Right. When right. you hit those one, two, and three positions, it just craps traffic on you. And as long as you don't mess it up, that is an evergreen source of emails, leads, and sales. Interesting. I'm doing it to our site right now. I'm doing site colon boldcommerce.com and then subscriptions and our, our, our product pages come up first. So for, you know, for the apps, but interestingly enough, like nine out of the 10 results are our support forum. So like our support.boldcommerce.com. And then, and then, um, there's only one blog article, uh, how, you know, eight build a box subscription examples and how to set them up or something like that. When I was at Shopify Plus, I caught this like, kill it and redirect it. One URL to rule them all. When I was at Shopify, I would go through month over month and I was calling it, uh, pruning it so dramatically. I would go over to the people that run the Q&A forums. And if, it, if the Q&A thing was on like page one or two of Google using that site colon, like just some forum post, I would make yeah. these requests of, okay, it's older than a month. Can you start redirecting that too, please? So I, even those, I would like redirect and the wins were enormous. Oh, I believe it. So, but like if the content is still relevant, so like the top one that comes up for us is managing your subscriptions page. So that content is relevant. So like we can't kill that content, but you're saying if we update it, create a new page and then redirect this old one to, uh, or, or if the content ever becomes obsolete because I we're guilty of this and I'm thinking right out loud right now, like when an article no longer applies, we just delete it and we create a new article, but we're basically throwing away golden pages right there. Yeah, those 301s. And then I also, what I often do is try to consolidate. So if I've got three three pages that are all sort of about this topic, I wanna strip that content out, sew it back together with transitions, uh, meaningful SEO optimized on-page text, uh, kill all three of those, redirect them all to one new URL where those three pieces have been reborn. Would you do this like for an e-commerce store? Would you do this for everything? Like anytime you remove a product or uh, anything, because I I bet you a lot of merchants don't when that when a product's discontinued, they they yeah. delete it. But yeah, get on those three ones. And platforms don't do that by default. Like it's going to be a four hundred four if you if you delete a product and you hit it. So um, I know there's a lot of different ways you can do that with apps, or you can do it in Liquid or whatever platform you're on. But uh, that is a great tip that I bet you 90% of listeners are not doing. And just be really disciplined about what you use as the URL, the H1 page title, H1, yeah. whatever your H2s are. And we should actually get into this if we, if we have time, because this, I think, yeah. is the other yeah. thing. Well, that was like the the next kind of chunk I wanted to get out of your brain was yeah. uh, any, any considerations around SEO, like what are some merchants? Obviously, like if you really want to go ahead and hire an SEO agency, but like what are some quick wins that like they can at least set themselves up for some basic success when it comes to SEO? Pick, I would say five to 10 of your top product pages. Do that site colon search and, and see if you've, if Google has indexed pages that are 401 um, on those first two result pages. But then so if you just, those, if you just, just quick question, if you just cite colon your site, site colon jaysrazors.com, the order that Google displays them, that's Google's page rank. So whichever, if there's five yeah. products on that page and then there's like my about or contact page is the, the top one has the most page rank with Google. Is it in that order? It's like 95%. That's true. As long as you're okay. doing Google incognito and even that's not perfect. Google takes your data and does whatever they want with it, even when you tell them not to. But right. that gets you as, as close to what Google thinks is the most important one. 
Yes. Okay, so do that for your products. For your products. And then the thing that I see over and over and over again is e-commerce merchants pay a ton of attention to how the page looks and the words that are on the page and nobody is behind the wheel on the technical side. Like I'll go into a lot of sites and see the designer or the dev, whoever built it, can coded every, every large block of text as H1. So there's like 50 mm, yeah. H1s on the page. Yeah. And some of them yeah. are completely worthless. So one, that's terrible. Google gets super confused and it will punish you accordingly. Yeah. So to just pick five or 10 of yours, use the Google inspect tool, uh, mm -hmm. which lets you like hover over different parts of the page and just check to see on your five, uh, on your top five or 10, is this following a H1 at the top? Everything else is then coded specifically for H2, H3, body copy, H4, whatever you need it to be so that it's very clearly structured around that. And then adding things like alt image tags, like this is not sexy work at all, but it makes a big, big difference. And the reason it makes such a big difference is because a lot of sites simply aren't doing this. So little edge wins like that really make yeah. you stand out on the SEO side. Well, I, I see SEO as really a game of a thousand inches that you're trying to, you, and then you eventually get there. Like, okay, just, you mentioned Google inspector. Is that, is that a different, I, like, are you thinking Chrome inspector or what? Is there a different oh, yeah. tool? Chrome inspect. You're right. Yeah. If you gotcha. Okay. 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 Chrome. Okay. Yep. Good. I, I, I just wanted to make, I just wanted to make sure there wasn't some secret Google tool I didn't know about. No, no, no. So, <laughs> okay. Any other um, SEO like high level things that stores can do for quick wins? For quick wins, I'm not sure, but I've had a ton of success recently with just aggressively looking into link building. And I think maybe, maybe this is like just the warning. Uh, yeah. What a lot of quote unquote SEO agencies will try to sell you is basically content and like minimal technical SEO. Like if you, if you want to hire somebody to do technical SEO, give them one page have them identify exactly what we just talked about, go through it. They should be looking for alt tags, keyword density. How are the H1s through H5s structured and get them to get you a report on exactly that on one page, optimize and see if it makes a difference. If they're not willing to do that with you, then they're probably trying to rip you off. Like, I just don't want to work with anybody that I'd pay them for that. And then, okay, mm -hmm. now I'm going to unleash you on the other 10 or 20. The other thing they'll often try to do is sell you on a content package. And I'm really, I, before I go creating on-site contents, the things that I really want are, I just want more backlinks to the pages that I want to rank, my actual product pages. And if you can't get a contract from an SEO agency that is pay per link by domain authority, they're trying to rip you off. There are tons mm. of places out there that won't find them. That, that will get you links by domain authority. Yep, that you build it into the contract. Yes. Like as soon as you're right. going to an SEO, if they say something like editorial strategy or outreach, yeah, yeah. it's like the death of, oh, we're going to do outreach. I'm like, no, you're going to give me 10 links at right. DA 50 or higher sites. This is how much each one's going to cost. That's the contract. And the good yeah. folks will be like, yeah. hell yeah, that's what we're doing. And the bad folks will give you some dumb reason about why they can't. What are some of the tools you use to monitor for SEO, for monitoring backlinks, for auditing your sites or any, any ones we can throw in the show notes that would be useful for merchants? My favorite is SEMrush. We have a bunch of CTC clients inside SEMrush, the large one. That's what I use for Common Thread Collective yep. itself. But uh, SEMrush is, is about 
probably the, the easiest updates every day. I'm impatient, so I want to see what happened overnight, that kind of thing. Ahrefs yeah. is another good one. You know, spend like a day or find somebody on your team to just be like, yo, get us in here, start monitoring, get all those keywords in. Um, and they should be able to like get up to speed on, on their own within a couple of weeks. Yeah. And you mentioned Moz earlier. Is that one you use as well too? Moz is a free one. Moz is just great. The Moz extension for Chrome. Yeah. Uh, that's a great one just to install and then constantly use whenever you're searching because it'll give you a little PA and DA. PA underneath each one of them, again, scores zero to 100. What they think the page authority is based on the backlinks directly to that page. And then the yeah. domain authority is the overall. And that's just such a great gauge of when you're looking for what sites to target, uh, who to reach out to, and then your own site as well. The free yeah, version I know. It's great. I've used, I've used it just when I'm shopping too. Like you want to know, is this a legit, it, it kind of just instantly gives you a, a, a how credible is a site um, totally. I'm in seconds. So are there any trends you're following in SEO that you're excited about or, or, or really paying attention to that you think might change things up? The inner relationship between words and video, and this is probably mm. even a bigger deal in e-commerce than it is in B2B content where I actually do my day in and day out work. What do you mean by that? I mean, hosting on YouTube, yep. whatever the tutorials and things you put out are, paying attention to how you optimize the words on that Google page and for that video and in that video and on the still images that might be the cover tile for it. And mm. then what I'm really paying attention to is how to embed that into specific pages because what Google is now doing is it's actually yeah. pulling, I've noticed like embedded videos that are on pages and then it's yeah. about, oh, okay, I got to align those two, this video asset with the written asset so that mm. they're one for one targeting the same idea or semantic range of keywords uh, and the boost, like that one-two combo uh, I haven't seen it hit yet, but I'm super excited about this trend and using those two. And then on top of that, right, like in either direction, write an article or do a tutorial that's a video and then flip flop, repurpose like crazy. So whichever one you're more natural at doing, especially as like a brand owner, as an e-commerce merchant, if you like getting in front of the camera and doing little mini tutorials or talking about your product, that sort of thing, then start with video transcribe it, turn it into a post, like never be one and done. And then yeah. see them together so that one is hosted on the other or the link is, is embedded in that sort of thing. So are you saying that you think it, <clears throat> there might be some correlation with your H1s that are on your page? And then if you have titles in your video, because Google is Google's transcribing them, you can search them and yeah. they're searchable, like you just said. Uh, so if there's uh, yeah transitions in the video and titles and headers of any type, having that aligned with the content H1s, like Google might actually be paying attention to that or that that's you're, you're kind of keeping your eye on that. I'm keeping my eye on it. Because, yeah, because yeah, Google's trying to. That's interesting. That's right? super interesting. Right? Google is a word thing. Um, yeah. And so they're, you know, with podcasts, with videos, the, the transcription that they automatically do, all of that, like the way Google knows how to read things is words. And so the more I can do with words, uh, even if it's in a different actual media format, the more I'm future proofing myself. Ah, that sound means it's time for the lightning round. Let's get Aaron in the old e-commerce hot seat. Are you ready? Let's do it. 
what is the biggest mistake in e-commerce while either you've made or you see merchants making? Not creating a robust, at least 10 part email flow post-purchase. So much is left on the table or is just crappy experience post-purchase. And I mean also immediately post-purchase. The transactional emails matter. Yes, and it's such an easy thing to do. What is your pet peeve when Aaron is shopping online? When I abandon a cart, get an email, but don't get a dynamic product ad on Facebook a few days later. Crazy. Mm. I've been on your collection page. I've been on your product page. You've taken the time to make an email capture. You can DPA me on Facebook. Mm-hmm. With that specific product, it was just about connecting the feeds um, and then a few other that are closer related to it, or at least the collection level. So if I was looking at pants, I see pants. So even if you didn't buy the product, you're saying it's st- it still annoys you when you see an ad for it or, or you buy it and then you see the... When I don't, when I, when I go, okay, okay, okay. On collection, product page, checkout, and I leave and I sometimes get the rescue cart abandoned thing, but I don't get that dynamic product ad. I want it. I want to see it. And then I'm, I'm down. I've added products. I've been like, been really busy or something. And I've added a product to cart and I've done it because I know I'm going to either get an email (laughs) or I'm going to get retargeted. And I've intentionally added products to cart to get retargeted. Yes. And I fully aware of how it works and I do it on purpose. So yeah, that's an interesting one. You're the first person that's mentioned that as a pet peeve. And not some broad brand play retargeted that like has nothing to do with the thing I was looking at. I made it all the way to the checkout can tee me up. Give me that product or related product. I love it. What's your favorite thing about your job? Channeling the collective genius of Common Thread Collective and in particular Taylor Holiday. What's your favorite online store? Nugs. Nugs. <laughs> They're vegan chicken nuggets. And those people are amazing. I love their ads. I love their emails. I love their site. Nugs. N-U-G-G-S. They did a product drop. I feel like I feel like they're killing it. Yeah, they're killing it on social media too. Yeah, the Tesla yeah, of chicken. Is <laughs> it's so smooth. Nugs 2.0, the Tesla of chicken. Yes. I've actually, it's so, so funny you mentioned that because I just saw a bunch of their social and some people were re- retweeting it. They're apparently killing it on social too. Oh, what okay. a product drop <laughs> for nuggets. And they sold out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great time to be alive. That's all I got to say. What's the number one thing you think that stores could be doing to grow sales right now, but they aren't? Man, I mean, pick your, your, your choice. Uh, I know. I feel like you mentioned a lot today. Just email sequence or locking down those retargeting DPAs. Yeah. Most of our listeners are business owners or entrepreneurs. Uh, any favorite quotes or advice? Honestly, the best piece of advice I ever got was from my ex-wife when I was 19. I had no business being married. I was being a little prima donna and we were going to go out <laughs> and do all the garden. And I just didn't feel like I looked good. And she looked at me and said, you got to learn to be happy, ugly. <laughs> and that is so bad. I was like, oh, that's so deep. Yeah. She's like, man, be happy. Like, regardless of how, it, it's just, if you can learn to be happy, ugly. <laughs> I would say I'm happy, ugly. 
<laughs> I love it. Okay. But, uh, last one, uh, if you had to give some advice to someone, uh, who's just launching and they're trying to go from zero to a thousand sales. Um, and then someone who's hit that thousand sale mark and they're trying to get to a hundred thousand, any advice for the two different scenarios you can give a merchant? In the zero to 1000, I would say hone in on your early adopter advocates, the people that mm. buy from yeah. you, right? Stock them on social, get that UGC into the email, get the reviews, invite them to private Slack groups, invite them to a Facebook page that's private, that's only accessible to them. Just cultivate those relationships because that's sort of the insights you'll glean from them and their advocacy will be the thing that propels you into that 1,000 to 100,000. I think it's Seth Godin. He has talks about your your 1,000 loyal fans and that's mm -hmm. like you're, build, you're building your brand on top. That Those are your, your advocates for your company and get as close to them as you possibly can, understand them, be intimate with them because that's the future of your business. Okay. So you've got your thousand, any advice getting it to a hundred thousand? Build a marketing calendar around seasonal events that coincide with the story. Those 100 fans, those 1000 first, the build a marketing calendar for mm. campaigns, paid campaigns, organic campaigns, email campaigns across the board that coincides with at least four seasonal events that matter to your your customer base. It might be International Women's Day. It could be other events. Um, you know, every every niche has their own Super Bowl. So that's another event. But if you don't do that early, you're basically going to end up in the position of the ad account driving the sales, uh, the yes, ad account yeah. driving the story instead of the story driving the ad account. Yep. And then you'll eventually not be able to spend enough to drive. It's a leaky yeah. bucket. Diminishing returns, yeah. just the more, yeah. yeah, the less efficient you'll get. But by tying into those events, you 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 build that identification with the audience, and then you also just have almost an endless supply of every year these new ones are going to come up, and this is the campaign around that. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on. I I really really appreciate it. I know our listeners really appreciate it. I I guarantee I'll get a ton of feedback after this shows I get all the messages. Thank you. Thank you. People tell me what they took away. There's just so many here. If someone wants to follow you on the socials or, um, I don't know, learn more about you. Is there anywhere you want to direct them? I'm most active on Twitter, Aaron Orndorf. And if you go to Google and do A-A-R-O-N space O-R-E, Thing. That's when it auto completes to Orndorf. Oh, okay. Whoa. Someday I'll be famous enough to be like Aaron O.R. We'll really know I'm somebody then, but I'm pretty easy to find. There's not many Aaron. When it auto completes to Aaron Orndorf on Own Your Commerce podcast, then, then we've oh. made it. So. <laughs> Good mic drop. And we'll leave it at that. Thank you so much, Aaron. My pleasure. That's it for another episode of Own Your Commerce. If what you've heard has helped you in any way, I'd love it if you'd leave us a review in iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's a new podcast and reviews really help spread the word. And if you know someone you think that might benefit from this podcast, share it with a friend. If you'd like to learn more about Bold, visit boldcommerce.com. You can view all our past episodes. And if you have a story you'd like to tell, we'd love to have you on the show. You can apply to be a guest or suggest a guest on our website as well. That's all for now. And we'll see you next week. Thank you.